All right, welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. We are at episode number 30. 30. Here on March 31, the day before Holy Thursday. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-host, Mike McKenna. And at 30, like the residuals start coming in pretty hot and heavy, don't they? And also, um, I'm so grateful, uh, global... Commerce has been resumed. Oh, yeah. Our, our friends were able to free <laughs> so, free the Suez and all those little tiny little ships that were backed up are moving through the canal, baby. So, Global commerce is back. No toilet paper shortages in our future. So do you have a quick – do you have a time for a quick story about the uh, Suez Canal? All, the time all in the right. world. First off, I want to say something nice about your shirt. You're, you're sporting a very nice In-N-Out California shirt. Um, one of your, how many you got there? I got 30, like 30 of those. 30? Every time I go to In-N-Out Burger, I, I would get a shirt. You know, I really want to get one, but I have like 900 t-shirts. And at a certain point you're just like, okay, I can't have any more t-shirts. <laughs> so the Suez Canal, right? Um, I used to represent a company called Suez, right? Um, French, a French company. company. Yeah. They built the canal, right? And somebody at some point in these in in you know corporate america corporate france whatever decided they they wanted to change the name of suez they wanted to rebrand and they rebranded it to ng i think um was the was that rebrand right they've done about four anyway i think ng was it right and it was the least comprehensible thing i've ever seen corporate entity do right because we used to go in offices and say Suez, and everybody said, like, "Oh, I yeah, like the canal." Everybody, right? everybody said, "Like the canal," and we'd be like, "Yeah, we built that." Yeah, and w- uh, instant good feelings, right? right? Exactly. It's right. like, "Oh, that's a cool thing," <laughs> right? Exactly. Everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, well, these are serious people." Yeah, they must have some idea what the hell they're doing. So, of course, the corporate guys had to change the name because it it bespoke a certain amount of competence and durability. And I thought, even as it was going on, I was just like, "This is without a doubt the." St- Stupidest thing I've ever. Did they change it seen. back? No. And now it's called NG. It's still called NG and E N capital G I E something E-N, like that. No, just E N G I E, which everybody's like. Yeah. Is yeah. That like NG NG? What the hell is that? Instead of Suez, like the canal. I'm like it it. So this whole two this whole week that's been going on, I've been thinking. I wonder how the NG guys feel about this. This could be free advertising, right? Seriously. It's just so well. It's I mean I don't can't tell you how many companies in my in our world have rebranded or renamed themselves, and I can't keep track of it. Uh, certain uh, Tesoro became oh oh, oh boy I don't know um, yeah uh, I don't know totally lost it <laughs> yeah I, I, well it's because it's because it's because like you said they changed your name and you're just like okay I don't oh, care. I don't even know what that I don't is care anymore. right you're just like I don't care you know the the um but uh, speaking of another company that changed their name it has been seventy days now since Joe Biden issued the kill order on the Keystone XL pipeline still no green those jobs, green jobs are hurtling, for those hurdling laid off union workers it the good news is the federal government has doubled everybody's unemployment for from now until labor day so um everybody can stay home on the couch and be okay but they but there is hope there is hope for because joe biden has announced that he wants to unleash uh, america's offshore wind industry to with the promise of creating 75,000 new green jobs. So all those folks can just move to Jersey and hang out with Snooky and the situation and everything's going to be a okay, baby. It it yeah, so the New York the New York energy plan is like highly reliant on offshore wind. Like highly reliant on it happening, happening in a time frame that's not going to happen and happening in a way that's cost effective and I'm I'm just it's like None of that stuff's going to happen. None of it. Well, first of all, offshore wind is god-awfully more expensive even than onshore wind, which yeah, is yeah. the first impediment. And um, the New York Times wrote an article about this and uh, quote, I got the Darth Vader quote saying, here they go again on the promise of green jobs. But the part that she left out is even without the subsidies – it is a massively expensive proposition, yeah. one. And two, there's no way, even if the federal government fast-tracked the permits, waived all of NEPA and everything yeah. else, they're not going to meet this 30,000 Yeah, there's not enough goal, This goal. There's not enough boats. I mean, you know, you, 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 when you look at the train, there's not enough boats. There just aren't. And, and 
in every situation, there's a ceiling, a critical path item that's a choke point. To the point about the Suez Canal, right? In every system, there's a choke point. Um, choke point in offshore wind is that boats, not boats. It's just it. Welcome to the Jones Act, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Right, right. Uh, which we've uh, our our policy guys at IR have written extensively about the need to re relook at the Jones Act. Which for our, our hundred listeners, we don't have to explain what that is. But um, yet another relic of of the Jones Act goes all the way back to 1812, um, the War of 1812. Yeah. That's how far back it goes. Iterates or its iterations, right? Um, and it prohibits uh, coastwise trade in boats that are not um, made and flagged and substantially, I think, is the is the adverb there, substantially crewed by Americans. Um, it basically guarantees you that um, you restrict the supply of boats available to do coastwise trade, um, or in this case, build coastwise um, offshore wind platforms. We we had we were very close. The president, former president Donald J. Trump, I will use his name. Um, was considering issuing a waiver of the Jones Act to allow uh, transfer of goods to Puerto Rico. Yeah. And guess who hung that one up? The Republican senators yeah, sure. from Louisiana. Well, so so the so the so the Puerto Rico thing, right? In the wake of the um, hurricanes, right? There was actually a ten-day waiver, and um, Puerto Rico is supplied by one company um, whose name I can't remember, and even if I could, I wouldn't. Um, one shipping company whose name I can't remember, and even if I could, I wouldn't say it publicly. Um, that company is um, based in Washington State of, but also has a pretty significant presence in Florida. And if the Louisiana guys hadn't put a kibosh on it, the Florida guys would have put a kibosh on it. it well, the, 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 the biggest the biggest protectors of the Jones Act are the Louisianans, yeah. the Mississippians, and the Alabamians. Yeah. It's it's um, it's disgraceful. It's fun. It's educational, right? It tells you so, lots you need so to know about. So I, I was at politics. a conference. I will I will not name names either, but I was at a conference a couple of years back now. Gosh, before COVID and before the passing of our beloved Alex Alexiev, he was there. This was the last time I saw him. Bulgaria. There was a particular member of Congress from Louisiana who was railing about the need for us to to get rid of this ridiculous, you know, these these uh, these lefties are just you know killing the pipelines and everything else, and and he was lamenting about the fact that they were importing LNG from Russia to Boston. Yeah, and it was finger wagging and saber rattling. So during the Q and A, I, I posed a particular question to to said honorable congressman, and I said, "So there's there's this great idea about maybe um, waiving the Jones Act to allow LNG ex LNG to move around. Yeah. You know, we could bring that stuff from the Gulf sure. up to Boston. We could send it to Puerto Rico. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, hold on there, boy. There's a lot of concerns about that. So after uh, his his Q and A was finished, uh, said particular right honorable congressman walked back walked past me and whispered in my ear, "Nice bullshit question, pile." Thanks. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know who that member is now. I, I know who that member is. Um, that member. Oh, do not name the name. I said I was not naming that member, the name. That member. That member is Cease. A, is an Cease. incredibly impressive former staffer. Um, you guys can do the math. The funny thing about the world is to to square the circle, to close the circle. The, uh, the company that ran um, that LNG facility in Boston. Um, uh, was opposed uh, to the Jones Act, right? Wanted to reform it, and, and I represented them. And every year they would come to me and say, "Can we get rid of the Jones Act?" I'm like, "Certainly we can, but it's going to cost us a couple hundred million dollars because we're going to have to have an enormous campaign." And that company, yeah, same guys who built the canal at mm, Suez. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and, there and you, you know, the, the truth of the matter is full circle, baby. Yeah, the truth of the matter is, um, in the absence of the Jones Act. Importing Russian LNG made the most across the Atlantic made the most economic sense. Sure. And the Russians, to give you some sense of like who watches what in the world, right? The Russians were very aware of the Jones Act, right? They specifically built an LNG export facility right on top of a bunch of um, gathering lines that they have in Siberia. And from there, they would fill up the ships, zip them over to a couple of different um, terminals uh, in uh, France or Britain and sell them into the Atlantic Basin. And they were totally aware that America was um, hamstrung by this Jones Act thing. 
Yeah. They 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 Boston it's Trump's was, fault. Boston was one of the target markets. It's it, all Trump's it, fault. It it um it's actually I think the latest iteration was the 1920 act. So Wilson Woodrow Wilson, I guess. Yeah. Let's blame let's blame Wilson. He's not uh, around. I want to I want to I want to go back to Keystone real quick because this this question is gnawing at me. And if our friend who works at TC is listening, I would love you to give me a call and explain this to me. Why has the Keystone pipeline been halted by an executive order? My understanding is, is the line has already been built across the border. Yeah. So what is the actual actual mechanism? Actual mechanism by yeah. which the federal government can unilaterally halt construction and how much of the line is left to be built? Yeah. Uh, not Those much. are two questions that I have that I, I I need to get the answers to. I could give you the answer to to one and a half of those questions. Um the the how much is left to be built is not much. I want to say like it's denominated in like 300 miles. Yeah, like that, I, of a, I kept of what hearing was that. A, it's like several hundred miles is all that's left. Of a 2,500-mile right? project, right? Um, and everybody thinks of it as a single pipe stem line. It's not. It's it's a right. bunch of different things, right? It's a it's a, it's a a way to rationalize the mid-continent um, market, right? And it's, Yeah, the north-south. Yeah, everything's yeah, sort yeah, of the mid-continent market, right? right? So – and it's done a pretty good job of it. Um, the other question, how how can the federal government stop it? That's actually pretty easy. Um uh, in every construction project that's permitted by the federal government, and this is this is a construction project that was permitted by the federal government, right? Um, you have um, what are called notices to proceed. Um, once you're actually given the permit, you're given a notice to proceed, and the notice to proceed is a very specific. Um, here are the things you can do, and here are the things you can't do, and here are the things you can do, and then I'm going to want to check on them. It's analogous to a um, to a house construction, home construction, yeah, right? You got to get. Signed off by the right, permit. exactly, permit, yeah. exactly. You got to have the guy come in from the right, county and right. say, "Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah, good. yeah, yeah let's do that one." Yeah, there's like a punch list on right, all that exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not certain about this, but I'm, um, I know this is how I would do it. All, all, all the Department of Interior has to do, all EPA has to do, all um, FERC has to do, um, whoever jurist, whoever jurisdiction on this thing. I guess it's just Interior and and FIMSA and um. And EPA, just suspend your notices to proceed. Okay. So you can't proceed. So it's no no longer an issue about the, the but you the cross the border crossing. Now it's now it's just yes. utilizing the the bureaucracy to achieve yeah. a particular and, policy aim. And you would think at some point that it's subject to litigation because while the NTPs are not the notices to proceed are not rulemakings, they are without a doubt federal actions subject to court challenge. Right. Sure. Um, so all, I've said all along this, ultimately, this thing will be completely built and we will yes. move beyond this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. But the it is always going to be the prototype and the model for the left's keep it in the ground agenda and the, in this case, keep it from moving around. It was sort of the the sort of, you know, inaugural – I'm Struggle gonna... is the blueprint for all these little skirmishes now that we're seeing, you know, across the country on these pipeline approvals. Yeah, I, I'm going to give credit where credit's due here, right? The reason why Keystone's a thing is because of Jane Klebe. Um, You know, Jane is a um, a smart, um, but obviously um, has some issues she's grinding away at and using public policy to do it. Um, she's a smart person. She's in Nebraska. She's actually, I think, from New York, um, like all terrible things right in this country eventually you know you, you you new york transplants gumming up the works in free america right exactly um but she was the one who who first pitched the idea that it was going to damage the water tables to nebraska farmers and slow the train down just enough to make bad things happen she was the one who brought um the native americans into the conversation in a lot of respects and um, Which is, you, you know, the thing is a disservice. Is, by the way, of course it is. The totally misleading. The, the funny we've thing been about building pipelines for sixty years in this country, we've never had, you know, right. challenges with water quality. The, the, the funny thing about it is, the thing I don't understand, and and I mean, I, I know Jane and I like her, but what I don't understand is, both of those people, groups of people that she activated, have immediate receive immediate benefits from the pipeline. They get paid. For the rights away, um, and in the middle of the country, at least I'm not—I don't know about the East Coast, but in the middle of the country, 
farmers, ranchers, they love that. Um, they love that royalty check that shows up every once in a while. Um, you know, I guarantee you half of Oklahoma already spent their Keystone money. Um, so what I don't get and what I'm not going to understand is uh, how she managed to tell to convince people to do something that's against their own interest. Yeah. Tribes, farmers, ranchers. Yeah, long-term long-term payoffs maybe. Um it it's it's but you're right. It's a it is it is now the model for how you um damage an infrastructure project. And the thing is is uh you know, the pipeline industry was always sort of under the radar. Mm -hmm. Kind of quiet. Just get our permits. Subterranean, if you will. Do, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, do their thing. If they need to, they threaten the eminent domain, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, they just quietly got their work done. And then all of a sudden, the left just sort of exploded on the scene with these pipelines because they realized that they could not keep it in the ground because most of the drilling activity occurs on private and state lands. The Obama administration couldn't get at them. We were able to stop them. And so they shifted their strategy, and the and the industry was sort of fl like left flat footed, like they didn't know how to handle this. Yeah, they mishandled it in the beginning, and now they're playing catch up. But I'm worried that you know they're doing it in ways that aren't aren't necessarily uh, long term going to be constructive to them. Right. Well, so you know you you. They yeah, need to fight. Is in other words, they need to fight. Well, let me just. They do... need to stand up for their themselves, and they need. To push back a little bit. Let on me this stuff. let me let me just agree with you violently. Um, I mean, you know what? You know, we all saw what happened in the last you know twelve, fifteen years. Now, you know the the um, the upstream stuff, right? The the production stuff has been unstoppable, um, mostly because it has occurred on private and state lands, and people are making a bunch of money off it, right? You know, in in Pennsylvania, um, there's wild. There, there's you know, you ask survey questions about. Uh, fracturing, right? And you get a 50-50 answer, but the intensity is completely mismatched, right? The 50% who love it, it's a visceral, you know, love. And the 50% who are opposed to it are like, yeah, whatever, kind of annoys me. It's completely um, changed their lives. That's right. It's it's totally- In a, a dramatic, positive right, way. Exactly. It's a completely asymmetric thing, right? Um, and the pipeline guys- um, you know, if I if I asked you, you work in the business. If I asked you who runs Inga, right, the Interstate Natural Gas Association of America, my guess is you couldn't name that person. I know I couldn't. And Inga, I used to I used to go to their meetings once a week, and I can't tell you who runs mm -hmm. Inga nowadays. Um, you know, um, Dina Wiggins runs NGSA, right? But in no way um, are they are they um, you know they're they're tangled up in this carbon tax thing now instead of thinking about what they should be thinking about, right? Um, it, it it's we could go through the list of people who should be doing better on pipelines, um, but it's kind of shocking at, at how how um, limited the resistance has been. Speaking of the carbon tax, um, API's big announcement went off went off like a lead balloon. <laughs> as far as I could tell, <laughs> was that was that? Oh my god, that was, was last week. The day yeah, we were recording. Yeah, it was like last Thursday. We yeah. Uh, got panned by some several congresspersons, including the Right Honorable Garrett Graves from Louisiana, who we didn't talk about earlier in the show, or maybe we did. I don't know. Um, and yeah, I, get, I they did get any... love from the they got love from the Washington Post. Is that who? Is that who? Yes. Yeah, the only people gave them a lot of love. The editorial page gave them a lot of love. Johnny, yeah. come lately. At least they're here now. I'm. I remind our. Listeners, that the Washington Post is owned by who? Yeah, Jeff Bezos, right? Who has the probably a, a carbon him individually, but also as a company has probably yeah. a larger carbon footprint than anybody than else. most developing nations. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. The um, I think the thing was scrapped by everybody left and right. I didn't see the post. Um, I don't. It was it was basically a nothing burger. Yeah, it was great. And you know you're in trouble when Sheldon Whitehouse, even Sheldon Whitehouse said, yeah, whatever. The devil's in the details. <laughs> you know, and I thought, okay, what, you know. Um, it's like Priceline, baby. Name your price. You can't say you're for it and then not expect the secondary question. What? Right, exactly. And, and um, you know, it's, it's everything that I hate about politics. 
it's everything I hate about politics. Um, tied up in one bundle, right? Nobody, you should say what you're in favor of and what you're against and why you're in favor and why you're against it. It was a, it was a too clever by half thing that they tried to do. And I'm going to name a couple of names here. Oh, boy. Here yeah, no, go. I don't care. Um, you know, okay, we need to have sound effects in this you know, show. It, 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 you know, Mike Summers is really competent and a very obviously a very competent Washington guy, right? He makes more money than I do. He makes more money than you do. He makes more money than Probably any. the combined, com, combined. No doubt. And he maybe, makes more, maybe it's close, right. though. I know you're a pretty wealthy right. guy. And, and, you know, Bill Coates will very smart guy. I respect Bill. I even like Bill personally. Um, and Frank Macaroni, right? Um, you know, um, Domenici's former uh, staff director, right? All three of them are really smart guys. All three of them are in the middle of this thing. And it's a really smart Washington kind of thing to do. It's And it's what everyone hates about Washington. You know, we have no idea whether they're really in favor of carbon tax or not, or whether they just think it's a clever stratagem. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, clever stratagems always fail. Um, what you, you know, the only question is, is what do you think is right and what you can defend in front of voting people? Um, clever stratagems never succeed over the long run. Well, they, first of all, they, they're not clearly articulate. Like you just really, if you read it, you go, what? And, and secondly, and that's why I love what I do, right or wrong. Yes, you know where I am, and you know where we stand. Seriously, and, and that is, you know, that we and we march forward, so, and it's it's exhilarating in this town. Bottom line, well, so a friend of mine doesn't pay a lot, but it's exhilarating in this. Town. So a friend of mine who used to be a floor manager for John Rhodes in the House and Howard Baker and Bob Dole in the Senate, right? Um, I asked him one day, Senate. He was, you know, I said, "How's it going?" And this is a, keep in mind, it's a floor manager in the Senate, right? He said, "You know what?" He says. I just sometimes wish we could just vote yes or no on an idea. Just, yeah. just, yeah. hey, everybody in favor, raise your hand. Everybody opposed, raise okay. your hand. You, you brought it up. Um, I don't have an article to accompany it, but our friends in the whatever obscure caucus that they call themselves. The problem solvers. The problem solvers caucus basically reiterated what we've been talking about on this show all 30 oh, episodes. Oh, yeah, the letter. I saw that letter. Yeah. Tremendously interesting. Yeah, the problem solvers who are like um, 55 or 75 or whatever people who actually have never solved a problem, <laughs> as best I can tell. Um, but they wrote this interesting letter to, to, to Speaker Pelosi, and I assume a minority leader McCarthy as well, just out of politeness, um, in which they said, hey, we think regular order would be a smart idea, right, where bills get considered in committees and improved and amended and then go to the floor. And we have a couple more amendments and, you know, maybe we act like a representative democracy. Um, and, you know, the great and funny and terrible and tragic thing about it all, I want to say that probably nobody read that letter except for me. Um I, you know, nobody, there has been no commentary on it. There's been, there was no story on it. It was like a little story blurb somewhere about it. Um, you know, the only thing, and this is, this is something, it's a terrible thing to say because I like the problem solvers, generally speaking. Um, if they were serious, they could, they could make they that could happen. They could stop. They could make they could that happen. They stop everything until it happened. Exactly. They absolutely could. Exactly. That's the thing. So, so I dig the letter. It's like when but... U.S. senators run for president and they're in the middle of a, a heated debate and then they, <laughs> I sent a letter to the Department of State <laughs> five years ago talking about this problem. <laughs> well, I sent a letter six years ago and it's like, you know, you're pulling out your swords and you're fighting over who, who like directed their staffer I... to pen a letter to, to like get yourself out of a, you know, constituent. Constituent problem. You know, this is you know, U.S. senators should not be presidents. That's the bottom line. It it um, they never make they've never made a most in any way have never been a at least this modern crew. Yeah, the the, the United States has had a steady preference for governors over senators for obvious reasons, right? Um, interesting thing about that. Right? One of my first things I ever learned in town was a friend of mine in the Reagan administration said this. He said, "Look, when when you get a letter from the Hill." All you can really know is that some staffer cares about this thing. Is when you really need to get worried, when you really need to pay attention, 
is when you get a phone call from a member or a senator. Yeah, and most of because, the time. Because then you know they care, and they're going to keep coming at you yeah, until they the get time, something Most of the time, the only phone calls I've ever gotten from a senator or a congressman has been to, as a request to Oh, yeah, give, give you them, cash. To give them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they care about that. Like that, they, yeah. Ta-da, there you go. All right, um, the filibuster uh, is on, or the uh, elimination of the filibuster is on. On its live, um, you see this steady narrative, this crescendo. It's a relic. It's abused. It's a Jim Crow uh, tactic that has been manipulated over the years. We need Joe Biden referenced it. And U.S. Senator Joe Biden, who, as we both know historically, is a Senate guy. 2005. Has, has played, played along. I want to play a, a vigorous defense of the filibuster. Because I couldn't have said it more articulately than this. This is going to be from Dana Carvey, isn't it? And no, no, no. And um, and I'll just leave it at that. But the American people sent us here to be their voice. They understand that those voices can at times become loud and argumentative, but they also hope that we can disagree without being disagreeable. And at the end of the day, they expect both parties to work together to get the people's business done. What they don't expect is for one party, be it Republican or Democrat, to change the rules in the middle of the game so that they can make all the decisions while the other party is told to sit down and keep quiet. The American people want less partisanship in this town, but everyone in this chamber knows that if the majority chooses to end the filibuster, if they choose to change the rules and put an end to democratic debate, then the fighting and the bitterness and the gridlock will only get worse. Now, I understand that Republicans are getting a lot of pressure to do this from factions outside the chamber, but we need to rise above the ends justify the means mentality because we're here to answer to the people, all of the people, not just the ones that are wearing our particular party label. Ladies and gentlemen, former president, former U.S. Senator Barack Obama. Couldn't yeah. have said it better. Yeah. Um, you know, the terrible thing about about President Obama, it's the same terrible thing about President Clinton, right? God gifted them with pretty substantial intellects in both cases and, 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 and a pretty great deal of charm. And they – both of them just – completely wasted it right they just they did they accomplished essentially nothing um but when you and when you listen to something like that you're like that guy could be great um but i predict instead he's gonna be a moderately competent president in the middle of the american century um look i've already written my column on this and i've taken my hits on it from people right um i i will say this and i mean it getting rid of the filibuster will help the republicans ultimately um, and not immediately, not immediately, but ultimately, and I'll tell you why. The filibuster um, protects senators. The rules for the, the rules of the United States Senate exist only for one reason, right? To protect the institution and to protect the senators who are parts of the institution, right? Um, filibuster prevents guys in the middle from taking hard votes is what it does. Um, Folks on the left middle, um, like um, Manchin and Cinema and Mark Kelly, um, and folks on the right middle, um, Senator Murkowski, Senator Collins, Senator Romney. Um, if you get rid of the filibuster, all those guys are going to have to vote on this stuff. And that's the last thing those these guys want to do. They're going to have to vote on the Equality Act. They're going to have to vote on the PRO Act. They're going to have to vote on these tax increases that are coming our way. And ultimately, the winners in getting rid of the filibuster, and this is, this is where I get in trouble, the winners of getting rid of the filibuster are the voters because they have clarity. Remember we were just talking about the yes or no's? The filibuster is designed to make sure that these guys don't have to get up and say yes or no. So – Yes, yes. Well, for all the Republicans who are like, oh, my God, this is so unfair. Just remember um, the, the, the organic nature of the Senate 
um, is that Republicans have a natural majority in it. There's there's a half a dozen Democrats sitting in seats they shouldn't be sitting in, and once they have to start taking votes, they won't be sitting. Yeah, in. I, I, I'm, I know you I'm, do. I, I know we you have talked do. about this in the long arc. That the Senate is no longer what it was. We have talked about that. Yeah, talked about the fact that we've made this complete transition now, and this is the. This is the end of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, 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 is the last, this is the last point. Yeah, there are no longer the sort of ceremonial. You you had an amazing resume. This is your swan song, yeah. your statesman yeah. role for the you, country. You, you, you've done other. That's st- done. You've you done got other- the Hollies. You've got the you know yeah. the, the Bernies. Yeah. Right. Like even though he's not young, but the point is, is that yeah, yeah. You 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 have you have career guys now, right? Career politician guys now instead of accomplished people. And so the Senate ultimately is going to change, and this will be the, this will probably be uh, the sort of when we all look back and say, okay, so it that is the def- history looks back moment, but really it's been it's been in the works for a while, but the but. They might not do the filibuster because they're talking about yeah. the you know multiple reconciliations, which yeah, yeah, yeah. is they're... basically I think either you do in my view I think you either just rip the bandaid off yeah or not because yeah. then you've got all this sort of what is a reconciliation what isn't yeah, yeah, yeah. What falls in it what doesn't yeah well if you get rid of the filibuster you won't do reconciliation anymore you'll just have the fifty right. votes right but I do but I do I don't agree with you in that it will automatically turn into this you know these clarifying moments because they still don't have up or down votes on hard things they bury hard things they hide hard things they'll try they surround them with lots and lots of other things they'll try but once you get rid of the filibuster what you're going to have is you're going to have the house of representatives with more boring people um that's what the senate's going to be right um you know career it's probably going to diminish that that body so definitely well yeah it, let me let me just tell you that anybody who votes to get rid of the filibuster any senator is voting against his own interests yeah. his or her own interest because it it they have an enormous amount of leverage yeah. Um, and is it going to diminish the body? Yeah. The I, two things, right? Real quick. I think what's going to happen is they're going to. It's going to be a salami slicer, right? They're going to. They're not going to get rid of it all at once. It's going to be gotten rid of. Yeah, they're doing for, it for a, certain priorities like right. the integrity of elections. That Bam, kind of, HR one right, done. That kind Arsene of that, S1 done. That, right? that kind of stuff, right? Um, that's observation number one, and I think that's likely where we go here in the next six months. Um. um Although, in all fairness, the infrastructure thing and climate and tax thing, that's going to fall apart of its own weight. He doesn't have 50 in the Senate, right, let alone 60. So I'm not sure what their um, proximate excuse is going to be. Um, and the second thing is, to your point, to your earlier point, what if you go back and do the history on this, what you notice is the filibuster starts to get compromised um, as the World War II generation came out of the Senate, right, as they died or retired. Um, and I think those those that those two things are connected, right? Um, you know, as long as the World War II guys were floating around the Senate, there was a sense of shared um, uh, struggle, right? Earlier in life, right? They 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 Republicans, Democrats, sure, communists, everybody. Um, you know, those guys, um, you know, had fought Daniel Inouye, right? From, the greatest generation. I almost brought his name up. Yeah, Dan, Daniel Inouye, right? Well, yeah. it was a Democrat. Um, Bob, he and Bob Dole um, were lifelong friends, and you know why? Because they were in the same re- rehabilitation hospital, right? After they were wounded, right? They were both wounded in Italy, fairly grievously in both cases, right? They had been friends since they were in the rehabilitation hospital. That's the kind of bond that Republican Democrat that that. Had, Means nothing, right? It literally means nothing, Um, and there's just none of that that goes on anymore. And as soon as guys like that started to roll out of the Senate, this kind of thing started to happen. And you think about, you think about current senators, um, and I mean no disrespect to any senator, any particular senator, Bob Dole, Dan Inouye, you know, these were men who. accomplished something in life, right, outside the United States Senate, who, even if they had never been United States senators, would have still been great men and, sure. and great Americans. And I can think of no similarly situated senators. I just can't. 
Senator Dole, of course, uh, more recently announced he's dealing with lung cancer. I believe it is. Yeah. So we yeah, wish they, we, we you know I'll even I'll even take it forward to Vietnam, right? John McCain and 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 Bob Kerry, right? You know, Bob Kerry lost a lost a leg in Vietnam, right? Um, and John McCain lost significantly more than that. Um, Republican, Democrat, you know, what what conceivable thing could you know separate those two guys? So it's just it's just not. No, it's it is is we've said this already. It's 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 changing and not for the better. And not I guess. for the better, but um, ultimately. I still say we should we should allow the state legislatures to, to pick senators. The founders got it right, man. They got yeah. it right, yeah, as I, usual. Yeah, I hate to say that, but that's that. I mean, you you are no longer the senator of your state. Yes. You no longer care about what the state what is in the best interest of yeah, your state. You care about what is your next gig, and usually that is uh, you know there's only one left according to these clowns. So, yeah, direct, I mean according to these. Direct election was a de- direct election was a definite mistake, but I'm not sure that genie can be put back in a box. No, it can't, unfortunately. Uh, but I can I can still wax nostalgic. We can dream. All right, a couple few quick lightning clips. Oh no! From the inaugural press conference by Joseph Robinet <laughs> Biden. By the way, Robinette. Robinette. I'm sorry, gonna, I'm going to start asking Robinette. questions about that Robinette thing. All right, here we go. A couple of rapid fire clips. Ready? It's because of lack of food. It's because of gang violence. It's because of a whole range of things that when I was vice president had the same obligation to deal with unaccompanied children, I was able to get it slowed up significantly by working with the heads of state of those communities to do things like in one of the major cities, the reason people were leaving is they couldn't walk to the street because they were getting, their kids were getting beat up or shot or gang violence. Well, what I was able to do is not give money to the head of state because so many are corrupt, but I was able to say, okay, you need lighting in the streets to change things. I'll put the lighting in. We got a contractor. We got the type of lighting. We paid directly to the contractor. Did not go through the government. And violent crime significantly was reduced in that city. Fewer people sought to leave. Woo! (laughs) Joe Biden, the light bulb installer. (laughs) (laughs) That was beautiful. If we, we could just solve all of these problems if we just... I had the right type I, of leadership. You know, he said. Not this kind of leadership. If an unaccompanied child ends up at the border, we're just going to let him starve to death and stay on the other side. No previous administration did that either, except Trump. Yeah, that's an effing. Not do it. That's, that's, a, that's a lie. That's a, that's a. You think? That, that. You which know, one? Both? The, the, you know, no. That the the Trump, vice president personally managed that the Trump the light bulb oh, contract. I, you know, whatever. Every every politician talks like that. But that thing about Trump, that's a lie. I mean, that's just out and out lie, and that's a terrible thing to say. You know, and everyone always says, and I think you got a clip here about what a moral and decent man he is. That's a lie, and what's worse is he knows it to be a lie. It's not an inaccuracy. It's not any of that. It's a lie. And where what was he? What was he at? To remind our viewers, this is these are excerpts from his press. Oh, the press conference, conference where had, the media is supposed to oh, please is supposed to report on things please as as accurately as human. I, I don't possible. I don't know if anybody has even written a story about hey man how many people starved you know Trump did he push him out into the desert because that that that's a lie, and and that man lied to you. Here's another one. And so the question here is whether how we go ahead and do this. What we do, there's no easy answer. Yeah, <laughs> I just threw that well, one that's, in because that's the question: was, how we go, how we do that is guy, right? Either how, what we do. You know, I figured how, I, the how the, they, that fig- was da- that you could have that could have been Dana Carvey. Okay, I, f- I figured this out. I've actually been thinking about this all week. You, you want my big theory of life here? You bet. The reason why Carvey, um, the reason that Dana Carvey does Biden so well. Is because Biden and George Bush, the old man, are very similar. They just wander around, and you're just like at the end of it, you're like, "What the hell did I yeah, just but, hear?" But H.W. did it confidently. Yeah, <laughs> and you didn't I mean, like. You know, he didn't pointed like, a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like watch with pain as. Oh, uh, like, like, what's the next 
thing. Speaking as a former staffer, we used to watch with David. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Here's the last last one of the rapid fire Biden clips. Last point I'll make in the infrastructure, and I apologize for spending more time on it, but is that if you think about it, um, it's the place where we will be able to significantly increase American productivity at the same time providing really good jobs for people. But we can't build back to what they used to be. We have to build the environments. Global warming has already done significant damage. The roads that used to be above the water level didn't have to worry about where the drainage ditch was. Now you got to rebuild them three feet higher because it's not going to go back to what it was before. Only get worse unless we stop it. I not a single person batted an eyelash when he said we have to raise the national highway system by an additional three feet because of climate change. You know, you get my some, friend. You get some. You know, you get some some intrusion in low level areas in Miami and in Norfolk, Virginia, and all of a sudden, you gotta put the whole country up on stilts. It, it's crazy talk, is what it is. And you know, it it. The good thing is, is that he had notes, so he's speaking from oh, notes. Oh yes, yes, so you know, it, it, I'm gonna put this article. It's, New York Post got a hold of his to I'm figure okay. out how to get a shot of his crib oh, notes. I'm okay with the notes. So. I'm perfectly okay with notes. Uh, but it it removes any possibility that you're, you know, you're speaking extemporaneously, right? Yeah, and speaking, or lying, as you indicated. Speaking from us. Right. I'm assuming that was on his notes, that the Trump guys um, starve children at the border, in, which is totally inaccurate. So, ah, boy, what do you say, right? I think I'm going to do a, a closing – uh, closing. A closing clip of the day uh, from the press conference okay, well, as well, I'll but wait. I'm going to hold I'll, that one. I'll wait for it. All right. Um, I'll, I'll wait one, for it. One other esteemed member of the uh, Biden administration gave some remarks recently. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm at the Berlin Energy Transition Dialogue. Oh, no. <clears throat> this isn't another Jennifer Granholm thing, is it? And I quote, and I can't wait to get to work with my counterparts in Germany the European Union, and governments around the world to make them happen. Let me be clear, though. Oh, boy. We are catching up with Germany. Although the U.S. may make different choices in how we approach our own energy transition, you and your other EU parties have already made some incredible progress. Yeah. Germany has slashed greenhouse gas emissions by 40% below 1990 levels and supercharged their clean energy output. Last year, Germany generated almost 50% of their electricity through renewables, more than all fossil fuels combined. These are the kind of results we need to replicate here in the United States. Yeah. So let's just unpack those two of those claims real quick. She's going to be the gift that keeps. I, mean, I can't tell if it's going to be her or John Kerry that's oh, going to save us from all of this nonsense. It's going to be John Kerry because um, he's John Kerry. Um, but two things real quick. One is the reason why she picked 1990 as a baseline is because it got to. Um, it allows the Germans to include all the East German factories that they closed. Of course. At, in their emissions. If you actually look at the last um, 12 years. Let's go from 2005. Right. If you look yeah. at the last 10, 12 years, the Germans have done worse than about everybody else. Yeah. Um, and and then the other thing is they're paying 35 cents per kilowatt for electricity, right? Which is about three times the American average. So when the Secretary of Energy says she wants to catch up with Germany, you have to assume that she's going to um, – Want to triple your electricity prices? The interesting thing, by the way, we we're talking about offshore wind. Um, were we talking about offshore wind? We were on on, on microphone. Okay, um, we're talking about offshore wind. I think we were, weren't we? Yeah, I yeah don't know. we were. When we were talking <laughs> about offshore so long, wind, yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> when we were talking about offshore wind, um, <laughs> price of offshore wind in the states, delivered price about thirty-five cents per. So it's the German price. Um, so if you really want to catch up, um, just just. 
just yeah. rely let, completely just, on offshore wind. Let's just make let me throw a few more stats in here. Three times more for their residential electricity than Americans. Yeah, like I said, and that, that includes about thirty-five cents that's versus the average. twelve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, California pays significantly more than yeah. most of us, but um, Germany's thirty thousand or so wind turbines have been largely out of operation this entire winter. Yeah, uh, due to uh, the long windless periods that they've had this winter. Turns out it's cold in Germany. Um, green jobs in Germany oh boy. collapsed by 50% in the past decade. Yeah. Well, could... And where did they go? I don't know. Where is that that country in in the Asian part of the world? Oh, they went to China. Yeah, yeah they yeah, went yeah, to China. Yeah. Well, I mean, once you get rid of... 50% of the jobs that they created have been now gone, destroyed, yeah. and went to China. So, so... Joe Biden is going to g- create some good green jobs off the shore. Uh, first of all, and subject poor uh, Midwesterners and Great Plains uh, residents to to New Jersey to get their green job. But how long is it going to last? The number of jobs in the German renewable sector, that includes production and installation, has dropped from about 300,000 in 2011 to around 150,000. Yeah. In 2018. Well, that's good. That'll make it easier for us to catch up to them. Germany's solar industry in the past decade has near collapsed. Everybody's has. I, I'm telling you, these guys, and this was the playbook from 2009 yeah, when yeah, they yeah. sold the recovery. Yeah, yeah. Right? The, the, and and it, Obama kept bringing up Spain. And, of course, we had the Spain, Spain Green yeah, Job Study with our good that. friend, Dr. Gabriel Calzada. Calzada. And... I'm telling you, they're just, I mean, all we got to do at IR is dust off all our stuff from 2009 and 2010 and update the numbers. So, it's the exact same playbook. So it's the exact same playbook. I wasn't aware that, that Secretary Granholm had said that. I have to be honest with you. Somebody needs to do better staffing on that because, I mean, I'm okay if you say, hey, look, we need to get to 50% of renewables. Okay, that I, I don't think that's wise, but it's a, certainly a choice. But you think somebody on staff would have said, hey, man, the Germans pay three times as much, yeah. and they're not as efficient as we are, and there's a bunch of um, pathologies associated with it. You know, I, I, let me take it back. For all I know, the staff said that, and she just didn't pay any attention. She just course. like, Well, she does she – does, uh, hope that someday Texas comes to the realization that they need to integrate their grid so that the free flow of ions can save them from their next winter storm. Shut up, man. The Texans are out busy cleaning up abandoned landmines. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What else do we have? What else do we have? You got anything on your list? I got three things. All right. Fire them up. Fire them up. What do you got? I got three. Actually, I got four things. Um, First off, let's... um, um, Let's mention that Gordon Liddy passed away, right, mm. at the age of 90. Um, Gordon was – G-Man. A, uh, he was, a, he was a, a, an accomplished human being. Uh, he was an FBI agent, a lawyer, um, a, a White House staffer who got himself in trouble because he got a little carried away. Um, I'm familiar with that situation. Yeah. There's been um, a few of those in history. Uh, but didn't rat any of his friends out. And consequently, was one of the few guys who actually went to jail for Watergate, right? Um, um, came out and did the talk radio thing and did it really well um, and was a patriot um, right to the end. A couple and, things, a couple quick things from my end. Yeah. Um, two times I've uh, – one time while I was in college yeah. at, un- at the University of Southern California, yeah. I saw G. Gordon debate. Dr. Um, Timothy Leary. Oh, wow. <laughs> I hear that was just like and completely incomprehensible. Just beautiful. <laughs> it was just beautiful. These two guys were up there on a podium and yeah. they were, because they were reliving their sure, days. Of course. When he was a prosecutor sure. and he was doing the, the LSD yeah, uh, uh, experiments in some right. mansion in New York somewhere. And it was just pure joy to watch these two go well, at it. Well, you know, I got to imagine, I, I, I envy you, right? Because um, you know what the two had in common, right? I mean, they were both Catholic kids. Yeah, 
They were, okay, they, they were just both Catholic kids. That, and, 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 you know, at a certain age, if you're a Roman, you're just like, okay, I got to let go of some of this hostility, right? And, <laughs> and I, I hear those debates were great, right? It was really enjoyable. Great. Absolutely enjoyable. I envy you, man. And I was in, in the early days of IER. Yeah. I was a guest on his show. Really? I, I, I went didn't know into that. his studios out in, out in Virginia. Yeah. Sat down in the hot box and we had it out a couple of times. It was a lot of fun. He he was very enjoyable. You know, um, two things. Right, one is he was totally. Well, I was I was hugely impressed by the radio show because he would open it up by reading the newspaper, right, or you know, selected articles, right, which was his nod to the idea that nobody read newspapers, right? Mm -hmm. And he said that. He said, well, you know, kids nowadays don't read newspapers, so I figure I need to start them off with like some base of knowledge. And I thought, there is a guy who is not young but understands young people, right? And I was totally impressed by that. Second thing is I'm in San Diego, and this must have been 15 years ago. I'm in San Diego seeing a customer one day, and we're having lunch at some steakhouse in San Diego. And um, in walks G. Gordon Liddy with like three other guys. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh my God, that looks like G. Gordon Liddy. And and I, I did not go over and say anything to him. And I always feel bad about that. I should have gone over and just said something to him. But I figured he was eating his lunch, minding his own business. Um, but I remember thinking, what in the hell is he doing in San Diego? It was like a Tuesday afternoon. I'm like, what what is he doing here? And I But I, I chickened out. So, uh, yeah, it happens. I told you about the time I saw Jeter in the coffee shop in Starbucks. In Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can, can I do that story here? Sure. Hell All yeah. right. So, we are driving home from New York City, and there's a Starbucks on the way. I always walk to it from my mother in law's place whenever we visit. Yeah. And it's the same one we go to, I go to, and it was around 11, 10 45 or so. Yeah. Maybe a little earlier. And I walk in, uh, I get in line, and some big tall dude with a buddy of his comes in shortly behind, shortly after me. Doesn't stand in line at all, doesn't get in line, just hangs out and waits over by the pickup area. Yeah. I'm like, this is Derek Jeter, for God's sake. <laughs> that I'm guy like, looks like I Derek Jeter. My wife, I'm like, you need to come in here, it's Derek Jeter. <laughs> And I was like, you know, I'm not that guy. I've never done it. Yeah, I've man. never gone up to somebody yeah. and did the fan the, the fan thing. And and so I was just kind of trying to coax my wife to come in, right? He's standing there hanging out with his buddy. He's a lot taller than I thought he He's was. He's like 6'4". He's a great big giant I didn't giant realize guy. he was yeah. that tall. Right? He's always a little on the slender side, yeah, man. you know, for a ball player. And they're like, your coffee, Mr. Jeter. And he grabs it and walks out. Apparently, he never pays for that coffee. He comes. So it turns out I talked to the lady who sold me the coffee, he yeah. said he comes in before every home game. On his way, he stops at the same time, every time. We have it ready. For every afternoon home game, we have it ready for him. He comes in, gets it, zips out. So um, kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah, kinda very cool. cool. Very cool. Of course, his SUV had Florida plates. <laughs> of course. Of course. So. It's – it's um, yeah, yeah. You're never sure what to do. And I sat there, I looked at I looked at Lydia across the dining room thinking, I should probably just go say hi to that guy. But I but I did say have a good game today. And he gave the tip. Yeah, gave you the, the cap tip yeah, or whatever. So um anyway. It it Yeah, you you beat me on that story. The only thing I got is I, I once watched Dick Buckus walk across Ocean Air. And I thought about going in the back room to say something to him, but I'm like, yeah, that back because he went in one of the private rooms. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I also thought I saw Ray Nitschke on a plane one day, but everybody from Wisconsin looks like Ray Nitschke. So I'm like, okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think that's uh, Ray one Nitschke. Last, one last Stargazer <laughs> story. My wife and I are at the Oakland airport uh, at, the, at the baggage claim for Southwest. 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 Notoriously horrific. Sure, man. I never check my bags if I absolutely don't have to I in know. Southwest. I love Southwest. Here's a plug. I'm not getting paid for this. But in terms of baggage, they've got a lot of work to do. They got a little baggage. I have to be honest with you. I check baggage all the time at Southwest. It's usually fine. Oh, I've never had luck. But anyway, Oakland. so I'm standing there in Oakland getting waiting for my bags. This nice gentleman, older gentleman, stands right next to me. Yeah. Reginald Reggie. Martinez. Yeah, Reggie Jackson. I looked at my wife and I was like, 
she's like, that guy looks like Reggie Don't Johnson. do it. You yeah, know, no, she's you like, don't do it. it. I didn't. Oh, you should have. I didn't. But here's the story. I said, I don't, I told her, I don't understand why it takes forever for Southwest to get my bags. He's like, tell me about it. And he just starts <laughs> riffing about the Southwest bags. And every time I come to this airport, it takes almost as long as my flight to get my bags. So that was the opening. There you go. Yeah, man. That was the opening. I got five minutes with Reggie, man. It was glorious oh, see, it was that's, a lot of fun see that's not fair because i were... said i just want to thank you i said you've given me yeah, lots of, of amazing memories sure man lifelong yankee fan he was like you know great talking to you you know have a good trip or whatever sure, but man. that was cool so you probably don't even remember the the 77 series where you know oh i remember it those three home runs on three pitches. I was only a young lad, but I've relived those, God, those that, glory days. That last one into the center field seats, man. That just that's a shot. Anyway, um, okay, so um uh rest in peace, uh, Mr. Liddy. We'll we'll um pray for the repose of your soul, like we should. Um the other thing I want to talk about real quick is this week there was a story in the Atlantic. Um and it was going through some of the things that the folks on the right were doing on HR1. And this was Calamity Jane. Yes. Oh, she's um, a piece of work. And and um everything to her is like this deep, deep embedded like conspiracy. Yeah, she, and I'm in in the middle of all her conspiracy theories, and I don't see any of these things. It, it's like it's like it's, it's like, like this, it's like science fiction that she writes on it, half it, of this. It's stuff. like every conspiracy theorist, right? They all think there's conspiracies, but they've never actually been in one. So they don't realize that conspiracies are really just um, sort of plans and, you know, broken human beings trying to figure out how to advance stuff. And everyone's like, oh, that guy's a genius. I'm like, yeah, you actually meet a couple of these guys. You're like, that guy couldn't conspire to get a ham sandwich. So, um, so anyway, at the top of it, did you cut this for a clip or I'll find it while you're talking and we can play it. Okay. At the top of this, a young man who, who had done some um, um, survey research um, for folks who were concerned about HR one uh, announced basically that um, the cause was lost. Well, why don't, why don't we pause here and I'll play the clip and then you can absolutely. Finish. All right. Um, you know, there's a large, very large chunk of conservatives who, um, um, are supportive of, of, of these types of efforts. And so, you know, everything that people just went through about the under the dome type strategies on this, you know, we think makes a lot of sense simply because winning over public support for this is actually incredibly difficult. Um, okay. Tee that up. Who, yeah. who, who's chit chatting here? What, who is yeah. in this conspiracy? Yeah. So in this conspiracy is your usual gang of right wing suspects. Right. And, and, um, and I promised I wasn't going to give any names, so I'm not going to give any names. But but this guy represents a, it works for a um, a fairly large and well known foundation in town, right? Um, and okay, it struck me as a as as totemic of the whole operation, right? After I listened to that whole spiel, there's about eight more minutes of it. But basically, what the what the young man is saying is, is that there's no way to win on this issue because all the elements of HR one are so hugely popular. Okay, so so I went back and looked at this this young man's resume, and he's worked in the fevered swamps of the right wing for his entire career, and he went to business school and where he got a business degree, I assume, and where he learned to do this polling thing, right? Um, and two things. One is he's wrong, right? The work that he did wasn't any good. Um, and it took me about, well, 90 seconds on, um, Google to find out that, hey, public financing of campaigns is intensely unpopular and voter ID is intensely popular among all kinds of partisans, right? Across ideological lines. Um, so I, like I said, I spent about 90 seconds on Google. So, Guy's wrong. I don't know who either of these guys are paying him, but they should fire him. I, I I was astounded. I read excerpts of the article. I can't get through an entire Jane Meyer article, but 
I I didn't I've not seen any of this. Like I see it pretty clearly for what it is 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 an attempt to federalize elections. Of course, it, and basically, you know, I'm right. not going to use the word rigged, but but create a tremendous advantage for you, you being able to drive loopholes through election law tr- trucks. You don't have to use the word rig. What what what? Um, the issue of HR one and the issue of right voting integrity. What it comes down to, and I'm not obsessed by it. Right, I've president lost um you know I'm, i don't think there's widespread cheating um but under hr1 there'd be widespread cheating um right if you're really serious about doing the opinion research on that that's how you'd phrase it right hey who should run elections your local guys your state guys the federal guys i guarantee you if you put those three choices up you know who'd be dead last yeah it, the it's always guys. the same it's always, always the same, the same. doesn't matter what the issue is the public a choice between the private sector even local government. They're local guys. The closer – voters are really smart. They always have a preference for their own opinions first. And then if you're going to make them eat a government answer, okay, I'll take local governments first, state governments second, and federal governments are a distant, distant third. Okay. So that's thing one, right? The the research is wrong and busted and terrible and um, probably should be redone. But the second thing is – is that the conservative movement, the right wing, the Republican Party, however you want to phrase that up, right, are riven by guys just like this guy, right? They're lovely people who sit around and have tea with each other and think big thoughts but have never been in an actual fist fight, right? Mike Tyson put it best. He says, everybody's got a plan. Till they get punched in the mouth, <laughs> right? And and this guy has never been punched in the mouth, so he's like, "Well, I went out and I asked a bunch of neato torpedo questions about HR one's provisions, dude. You're in a knife fight. If you can't bring a gun, if you can't bring a knife, if you can't bring one of those, bring a stick or get ready to hit somebody in the face as hard as you can. But the idea that you know what, I'm fully prepared to surrender on this right now." It is, a, it is a sentiment that is uniform across the operation. And I said this to you. I've, I've said this. We've said this before, right? Well, these things, these moments bring out who's actually a fighter and who's not. And what I worry about is not that there are not fighters, but I, what I worry about is that so many of our non-combatants are collected in places that are relevant. Yeah. Well, the issue here, the relevancy of it is, is that the attempt to uh... – disclose contributions to organizations like ours, 501c3s, 501c4s across the board. But I, that provision is not going to make it. Of course because not. Because it doesn't work the, for the other the side. The left is yeah. much they, – they're benefiting from it much yeah. more significantly than we are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're hiding money from all over the place, including other countries Yeah, uh, in, in their equation. So it, this it, narrative that this somehow like – cripples and destroys the conservatives or the right i, I don't buy it no i, it's not, it, I agree it. i agree with so. you totally it's going to fall away what, like i said just to shorten my stroke a little bit what what concerned me about this is is it is emblematic of um, a larger problem inside um the right side of the political spectrum in this country and that is we love to win arguments. We love to have really long conversations about what should happen and, and shouldn't happen. The left likes to win fights. And the left likes to win fights. That's right. And the fact that this guy opens – this guy's getting paid money to win a fight. Full and, circle. And he thinks he's getting paid to like give a lovely speech and have a nice slide deck. Full circle to the uh, the Obama yeah. defense of the filibuster on the Senate yeah. floor. The same president, the same individual who – exploited yeah. the death of John Lewis yeah. to make a case to eliminate the filibuster. Yeah. The left wakes up every morning and starts over. Yeah. They have political amnesia. They have intellectual. Yeah. They, they do not care about consistency. No. Why, do, why should they? They, they want to win. What fight am I fighting today? What do I have to do or say to win it? Never mind. I said the exact opposite just I'll, I'll, last week. I'll tell you. Never a, mind. I'll tell you a secret that you already know. 
Voters don't care about philosophical consistency. Voter, I, voters themselves are not philosophical. Said on numerous yes. of your focus groups, I learned that very, very quickly. Voters themselves and are actually, not. actually, it used to drive me nuts, yeah. but I've come to understand, I've come to appreciate it, in fact. Yeah. Voters are, themselves so. are not philosophically consistent. In the same sentence, yes. they can, they can, of course. They can uh, we, contradict themselves. We are Americans. Yes. That means we're about doing whatever is like practical and expedient at the moment. Case in point, left is very cozy. The Dems are very cozy with big business. Yeah, man. And they bash them all the time. Sure. What the hell? All the time. And the, bus- the, and the business guys are fine with that. Yep. They're yep. like, well, so long, as, so long as we're getting our stuff. Cost of doing cost business. business. It's like the sheepdog and the wily e. coyote, right? The yeah, cartoon. Man. The dick they... dead click clock out at the you end know, of the day. Yeah, clock out and go have a beer. Yeah. So. And I, I... All right, what else you got? I got a meeting with a donor soon. Um, I got... Um, I got oh, geez. I got questions. Lent. What'd you give up for Lent? I gave up bourbon. How's it going? It's swimmingly. I'm actually fine with it. Uh, I, I've I've come uh, I've come this far. I haven't even wanted a bourbon, but I am gonna get drunk on Easter. Sunday. I was gonna. <laughs> <laughs> so for all of our kids listening, um, <laughs> the lesson is: if something's working in your life, change it immediately. Change it immediately. <laughs> change it immediately. <laughs> I'm actually carrying the canvas tomorrow uh, at Mass. the Umbrellino. I don't know. Get you, umbrellino. It's an Italian names. word. It's umbrellino. It's a. It's a. It's a little. It's an umbrella. Umbrellino. Yes. I'm very Actually, excited. no. You're carrying the big thing. The big canopy. The canopy you're bringing canopy. Walks the oh, crossover to the place. Well, where I, I'll ask for your blessing then before we go. Hey, I'm getting in tight with the. You know, with the organization. I understand. You know what I'm saying. You're, you're playing. The Got game. two kids in the school now. You know. You're, you're, it's, uh, it's going. You're going to be. A, you're going to be a made guy here shortly. It's like the priest at the at the picnic uh, when Tony. When uh, AJ, yeah, no more used ZD. a bad word. <laughs> no more used ZD. a bad word. The priest's like, "Hey," slaps him in the butt with the newspaper. That's you know, no more. He's no hanging more. out with us now. So. Um, the okay. Monsignor. So Lent went good. Um, and now, now that Matt Gates is is under investigation for transporting minors across state lines, you yeah. still thinking about Florida? I, I, you know, we were chatting about this earlier. We, I don't. I do. There is a. There's something about the sun in Arizona and Florida beating down on white people. It just breaks. It just it just it, just, it, it does them. something. It the the it does something to people. I don't. Florida politicians are a strange breed, man. Yeah, man. Strange breed. I'll leave it at that. Agreed. I'll leave it at that. Agreed. So agreed. I'll leave it at Opening that. Opening day tomorrow. Holy Thursday. Big day. It's a big day. Big day. Um, Yankees opener. Uh, Garrett Cole. I assume. No, yeah, but I think they're playing the Blue Jays, right? I think so. so. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to do fine, even though they lost like their last seven spring yeah, spring no, spring training games. I was going to say spring break games. I probably should be careful there. All right, I'm looking forward to attending a baseball game this year. Uh, so am I. Three stadiums left on my bucket list. What are they? Miami, hey. Atlanta, yeah. and I got to go back to Texas because the Rangers. Uh, opened up a new ballpark. Those whores. So, so they, they, I went from two to three, and I will have got, visited every every major league baseball stadium. I think I actually got about seven or eight. I'm, I'm not. I'm not nearly as focused on it as you are. All right, closing it out a clip with our esteemed president Joseph Biden, Robinette Jr. The uh, the capstone of the first and so far only and probably uh, the only only, the only press we're gonna have. That's it. I was gonna uh, say you had for a while. You've uh, had your presser. Here we go. And so I'm gonna say something outrageous. <laughs> I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to get a lot done. We're, if we we're, have to, if there's complete lockdown and chaos as a consequence of the filibuster, then we'll have to go beyond what I'm talking about. What, what are you talking, are you about, talking about? He just gave up. He's like, oh, I'm so tired. Anyway, too tired. you guys will cover for me. Too tired to finish that sentence. That is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. Good night, everybody. Enjoy. Happy Easter.